Okay, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name's Dusty Slay. I'm your host. I'm back in the studio. Uh, uh, and this is the first podcast of the new year, I believe. I don't know what date the other one was. First podcast of the new year. It's 2021. And nothing has changed. So, and nothing will change. Uh, because the date is meaningless. People always blame the date, you know? When a lot of people die, they go, oh, 2020, let's get it over with. Oh, because in 2021, no one will die. But they will. In fact, I'm told that the same amount of people died in 2019 that died in 2020. So, even with a pandemic... I don't know if that's true or not, but do we do any of us really know if anything is true? We read things, and 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 people that are really well read, oh man, they claim to know everything, don't they? Oh man, they're like, well, I read, and it's like, yeah, you read what somebody else wrote down. Does that mean it's true? No, it doesn't. Um, so. But I'm having a good time. I just uh, I just woke up. It's fair. Well, been up about an hour. It's fairly early in the day, uh, and I did a show last night at Zany's. And uh, I'll just go ahead. Where we've been, where we're going, where they going, where they been, where they going, where, where they been, where we're going, where we've been. I uh, just did a show last night at Zany's, and it is my show, Dusty Slay's Grand Old Comedy Show, and I had um, uh, a lot of local comics on there, I Had uh, which is the intended purpose of my show. My show, uh, I'll tell you how it started. I, I was um, probably around 2015... Maybe 2016, I was going to teach, uh, not teach a class, but I was doing a thing where I would meet at Zany's once a week during the day with people, and I would have, you know, people, just any comics that wanted to come would come, and we would meet at Zany's, and then we would each get up and tell like five minutes of comedy, and then we would try to give each other tags. That was the intended purpose of it. Now, I feel like the... Group was a bit of a disaster because it's always the people that need to listen more that do the most amount of talking. Like people that were not good at comedy would be given the most tags. And it was like, I don't know how to tell them, hey, maybe you should just do more listening. And so I don't know how productive it was, but my my purpose was to, you know, uh, use people from that class that were really coming and that were really working hard and then put them on what I would hope would eventually turn into a showcase. And it did. I did end up getting the showcase, Dusty Slay's Grand Old Comedy Show. And it's been going for about four years. Maybe this will be the fifth year that it's been going and uh, intended to be monthly. Sometimes, you know, we'll skip a month here and there. Sometimes a dump truck crashes through. Sometimes a global pandemic hits. Um. So what I wanted to do was try to give 
comedians in town and outside of town uh, opportunity to do a comedy club where they otherwise weren't having that opportunity. I don't know why I'm speaking like I'm so confused. I know exactly what I'm saying. And so that was the intended purpose, and that's what it's come to be. And I just want comics that are working hard, that are funny, but maybe aren't yet getting recognized by the club uh, to get them seen by the club and to get them an audience. I mean, because the show was sold out. It was a great show. And so not everybody that's new is getting the opportunity to do sold out shows. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And Zany's, uh, I still stand by. I mean, I've traveled all over the country and there are some clubs around the country that I absolutely love. I think they're fantastic clubs. I think they're really great. But I think Zany's is the best. I mean, it is a good club. It is performer-friendly. The owners of the club are amazing. The staff that works at Zany's is amazing. And, and the audiences that come are amazing. I mean, it's just, it's the total package. It's such a fun, great club, and I love performing there, and I am so lucky to be able to perform there. And I feel like I was on the cutting edge of knowing this about Zanies, though. Now that, you know, it feels like things are shifting, people from the larger cities are now moving to Nashville. And, and they're discovering, and not that they didn't know, a lot of these people that are moving here had performed at Zanies previously, but now they're discovering what a great city Nashville is and what a great club we have here. And I'm like, well, yeah, I've known this, you know, since 2000 late 2013 when I performed here for the first time. Um, and yeah, it's the best. So last night we had comics. We had uh, Corey Knox, um, uh, John Hickok, Ashley Corby, and Aaron Weber on the show. And uh, they're all doing great. Uh, Aaron is, you know, Aaron is, uh, you know, he's traveling all over the place, headlining shows, opening for all kinds of famous comics. Uh, he'll be at Gutty's this weekend, I think, with Henry Cho. So if you're living in that South Indianapolis area and you're looking for something to do this weekend, uh, the Henry Cho-Aaron Weber uh, combo will be really great. And Gutty's is really great, and it's got great owners, and they really care about comedy, and uh, they just got a new location. And I hear it's really nice. Uh, Jake Rubel is, uh, you know, was telling me about it. So if you're looking for something good to do this weekend in that area, that'd be great. As for me, where I'm going, uh, I got nothing right now. I um, And I'm fine with it, but I had shows in Portland that just got postponed. I was supposed to be doing Portland Helium in Portland, Oregon, not this weekend, but next weekend, but that just got moved. I was supposed to do a club in Memphis, uh, not a club, but a, a like a music venue in Memphis this next week too. And that's been postponed and moved, not because of me, not because of the venue, but because the city has shut down uh, for whatever reason, because uh, government now completely controls our lives and decides when we're able to open our businesses and decides when we're able to do shows. And remember, two weeks to slow the spread, and we're almost at a year. Uh, so, you know, that's going well. And uh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get in. I, I know I talk about mask every week. And uh, uh, my wife was just telling me that it, it, she's, she said, it's getting old you talking about mask all the time. And I'm like, I agree. And it's getting old wearing mask all the time. 
So uh, I don't, you know, I know I harp on about it, but it's just like people just keep doing it. And they don't even know why they're doing it. They just keep doing it. They just keep telling me that I'm spreading disease. But I'm fine. I thought I had COVID on Friday, but I had eaten an edible. <laughs> and uh, and I don't like that. It affected me in a weird way. I, I did. I slept in a separate room because I was like, I was feeling pretty weird. And I was like, I don't want to get my wife sick here. So I, but the next day I was fine. And I actually, yesterday, I felt the best. I mean, my body, I've been talking about my body, how my stomach, I've been having stomach problems and whatnot, but I switched up my diet. And I think I finally found a diet that worked for me, which is just fruits and vegetables. And I started doing that. And yesterday, I felt the best that I felt in months. It was like, I had too much energy, honestly. I didn't know what to do with myself. So I went and had a cigar, try to try to kill some of that energy. And uh, but it was a great time. I mean, the show was so good last night. I mean, I I'm so thankful for that these shows that I have. I mean, because I travel around a lot, and you know, and and you'll do six shows in a weekend, and and even if it's at a really great club, sometimes, you know, a couple of those shows are not good, and it's just like it's such a drag. But I got to see my friend Chris Clearman came out. Uh, haven't seen, uh, you know, Chris in a while. One of my my high school friends. He lives here in Nashville. And then another friend, Cassie Frank Taylor, came out. She is. Uh, we went to high school together, and uh, she's a year younger than me. But she had kids like right away. So her kid is eighteen now, and bought her tickets to see my show. So that's pretty amazing. And, um, yeah, it just was such a great time. I mean, I just remember just driving home, just feeling good. I mean, that's good comedy does that to you. You just leave and you just, you can almost feel it in your body. It just feels good. But I was talking to, I want to play this clip. I don't know if this will pick up this way. And I don't, I didn't ask his permission. I'm not going to say his name. But I, this was, I was chatting with a friend yesterday. And I was texting him, and he was sending me voice messages. And this is a friend I used to, I won't give any details. I have talked about him before, but I'm not going to make any connection with this guy. But he cusses a little bit on this audio clip, and it's about 30 seconds. But this is a friend, and I, I still love this guy. I, I, would, I would love to hang out with him. And that's what I was saying. I said, you know, next time I'm in town, let's get together, you know. And, and then this is what he says. And I don't know if this will pick up, but hopefully it does. That sounds good, man. You need to come check out my new crib. Uh, or you scoop me up and we'll go do something. We'll go to the casino or something. Whatever you want to do. Hell. I got to poop. Oh, jeez. Somebody started, a telemarketer started calling me mid, mid, uh, thing. That's such a bummer. I hate that. All right. Let's try it again. And now it's broken. Jeez, I hate that. I hate how on the phone... If you're doing something and then somebody calls you, it just completely takes over everything that you're doing. All right, so we were talking. I said, let's get together sometime when I'm in town. And then he says, that sounds good, man. You need to come check out my new crib. Uh, or you scoop me up. We'll go do something. We'll go to the casino or something. Whatever you want to do. Hell, I got a pool. I got, I got 
I got a barn. I got everything. Except for a driver's license. I ain't got no fucking driver's license. Bitch still won't let me get that shit back. But isn't it white? Holler back at me. All right, and I don't know what he said there at the end, but that was really funny to me that he's like, I got everything, man. I got everything. I got a pool. I got a barn. I got everything. Well, it's up to driver's license. <laughs> That's hilarious to me because he's got to be 37, 38 years old. And, uh, I mean, it's only funny because I could hear in his voice that he's like, he's laughing. You know, he knows it's ridiculous, but we used to live together for a time, and I think that's fun. It was great to hear from him. Um, and uh, so, you know, I wasn't, I, I, you know, I don't know what to talk about today. I mean, I always have a million things that I want to talk about, but it's always seems to be Bible related or, or something like that. And I'm like, you know what? I, I don't, I, people don't want to be drowned down by me talking about the Bible all the time. And I, I get that. Um, you know, and I, and sometimes I, I find myself just being able to launch into a story based on something else that's, that's going on. But I'm going to tell this story. Um, and I, I've told this story before, but I don't know in, know in what context I told it. And I, uh, so I'm just going to kind of get into it again and, um, you know, and I, it'll be, you know, it's about, and I know I've told it, but I'm going to tell it anyway. I, uh, it, you know, and I was hanging out with Chris Clearman last night, so maybe this will all connect. Uh, but I, when I was 15, my dad bought, my dad had gotten divorced from the lady who was my stepmom for like nine years, right? He got divorced from her when I was about 13 or 14. And so my dad was single again, right? So me and my dad were hanging out a bit. We were bonding, you know, because, you know, and, and I, you know, and I don't have any problem uh, with the woman. I mean, I've never spoken to her since then. I mean, I, but I guess that's just how it goes. I mean, my, my mom is still in the picture. So I never viewed her as my mom, right? Like she wasn't like, you know, some people are like, well, that she's my stepmom, but she raised me and I, I, and uh, she might as well be my mom, right? And I don't know why I say that in that accent, but I guess that's how I've always heard it. So she wasn't that to me. I mean, she was just fine. Sure, my mom thinks that she tried to poison me at one time, but hey, that's neither here nor there, right? And she had a couple of kids, and they were my step. And one of the stepbrothers, I mean, we still chat on Facebook. And, um, oh, Oh, just speaking of that, right? So I'm supposed to do a show, uh, a weekend of shows at this club in Auburn called the Crown of Comedy Club in March. And uh, what a name, right? And I'm not trashing the club. I, I think the club is, uh, from what I understand, looks pretty nice inside, uh, nice owners, and it's right in a college area of Auburn. All good, right? F hilarious name. But everything's all good. And so I'm supposed to do this show. And so my, my old stepbrother, he messaged me and said, I'm going to come see you in Auburn. So I'm like, okay. So I know the words out then because I haven't really posted about it. Somebody made an invite and the word is out. However it's playing out, that's what's happening. And so a, a girl 
that I went to high school with, uh, let's say, I just was seeing it this morning. I'm just trying to pull it up on Facebook. Yeah, a girl I went to high school with named Shaquaria, uh, she has posted about it. She said, class of 2000, we got to go to Dusty Slay. And then she said, tag a classmate. And then she tagged a bunch of people that I went to high school with. And people are down. People are like, I'm in. Amanda's like, I'm in. Shaquita's like, I'm in. Shamika, I'm in. Nakia, I'm in. I mean, this club, this show is turning up. But it may be turning in a direction that I don't want it to go. Meaning, if everybody I went to high school with just shows up to this show, it's going to be hard to do. You know what I mean? Do I want to? I like to do comedy in front of strangers, people that I've never spoke to, people that I may not speak to after. Not not meaning I won't meet them after, but meaning that if the show doesn't go well, I don't have to speak to those people. But this may turn into, I, I always appreciate when people that I went to high school with are excited to see me and share the shows. But I just didn't realize what I was taking on by doing a show in Auburn. I guess I did realize it, and I was hesitant about it. But it's like, we're going to have people that I went to high school with, along with my family, along with some strangers, hopefully. And it is going to be... I mean, I got to write some Opelika jokes. I got to really touch up my Jim Bob's chicken fingers and my Western sizzling joke. Because... I got to get some local references. And, uh, okay, so I don't know what sent me on that tangent. But, okay, so when I, oh, oh yeah, my, my stepbrother, yeah, so he's coming. And uh, so I stay in touch with him. So my dad got divorced when, when I was around 13, 14, became single. We start hanging out a bit. And my dad buys a Toyota Camry, a nice Toyota Camry. And he says, all right, I'm going to drive this. So maybe I was 14, 15. He said, I'm going to drive this uh, for a year. And then when you turn 16, I'm going to give this to you. And I thought, great, that's a nice car. I'm excited. This is wonderful. And then we go down to Panama City Beach. Me and my dad, his friend Kevin, and my friend Adam, Adam Edge, uh, who I hung out with not too long ago. We had a couple of cigars. Uh, and uh, and Kevin, we talked to a little bit on Facebook, but he's kind of disappeared. So we go down to Panama City Beach, and we check into this hotel, the hotel called The Fontaine Blue. And we're hanging out in the lobby of the hotel, and we're checking in. And then these two women check in right after me and my dad, or, or I don't know, it doesn't matter. And my dad, he overhears that these women will be staying next to us. So my dad working his game, you know, he go he goes up to them and he says, now, we're going to be staying in the room right next to you. So don't get too loud. Don't get out of control. We're going to be staying right next to you. So that all happens. And then we get up to the room, get checked in. And then shortly after that, those women knock on the door, and ask my dad and Kevin if they want to go for a walk on the beach. And they do. 
And so they go for a walk and they're out. So me and Adam are like, cool, you know, we're hanging, you know, we are just kicking it. And we go out, we go walking around and, you know, and then we come back to the room at some point. And as we knock, we hear people inside going, whoa, whoa, you know, like telling us not to come in. So we're like, well, we don't know what to do now. So we're just kind of hanging around the Fontaine Blue and we're going up and down. It's got, you know, the doors are on the outside, but it's on the beach, multiple story hotel. And we go up into this one floor and you can just smell weed on the whole floor. It's the first time I ever smelled weed and it seemed so dangerous. And I was just like, ooh, that's scary. It seemed so dangerous. And me and Adam, we hang out. We, we're like, they locked us out of the room. We're abandoned. And eventually we go back and they're like, where you been? Because there was no cell phones back then. They're like, where you been? And we thought, we thought you locked us out. And they're like, no. I guess they were just like, didn't want us to come in in that moment, but didn't, didn't mean don't ever come back. And then me and Adam, we go to Shipwreck Island the next day, which is a water park down in Panama City Beach that I loved as a kid. As a kid, I thought it was amazing. But we're... 15 years old at this point and we did some stuff in there but then we were like we're about ready to get out of here so we left and we start walking around and we go to a couple of shops we go to a purple haze you remember that the store that you know they sold like weed paraphernalia it was seemed like such a cool store back in the day like a spencer's gifts on the beach and i bought a skull t-shirt my dad actually bought it for me he was trying to bond with me because, you know, he'd been married for nine years and felt like our relationship was slipping. So he's trying to bond with me. So he's like, you want that shirt with them skulls on it? You want to look like a, you want to look like a school shooter? There wasn't really school shooters back then. But he's like, you want to look like that? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, all right, I'll get it for you. And so I had a skull t-shirt and then I got a little necklace, you know, like a little hip necklace with one of those little mushrooms on it. Like, I don't remember what that was made out of, probably just plastic, but everybody was doing it back in the day. So I had one of those. I had a shaved head, and uh, I got a picture of it. I looked like I was going to blow something up. And, but I was just, you know, I was a, I was a kid with uh, probably some kind of emotional trauma from divorced parents and parents getting married again. And I'm not mad at them, but I probably had some kind of emotional trauma. I mean, they had a lot going on. I'm a different guy now. I mean, I, I imagine all of us are, but I'm a different guy than I was in high school. And I was, you know, I think I was pretty cool in high school, right? I mean, nothing says pretty cool like saying pretty cool. And uh, that's pretty cool, man. And uh, so, you know, nobody says, like, yeah, I was pretty cool in high school. That actually was cool. But, but I was. Uh, but I was a maniac. I used to... I had shoes with flame boots on it. Or, no, I had, I had shoes with flames on it. They looked like Doc Martens. Everybody thought they were Doc Martens, but they weren't. But they still cost me about $120. And that was back in when I was making five fifteen an hour. That was a hefty, hefty amount of money to give up for some shoes. But dang, I loved it. So we're in Panama City Beach. We leave Shipwreck Island. We go to uh, uh, Purple Haze. And then we're going to go into this... Uh, fortune teller me and Adam we want to go talk to a fortune teller we want to find out what's going on in there and I do not believe in that stuff I think that stuff is bad I think tarot cards are bad I see a lot of people doing it you do whatever you want I mean because if you're not a Christian why not mess with tarot cards if you're not uh, a Christian why not mess around with fortune tellers uh, but if you are a Christian the Bible says don't do that don't be messing around with that 
So, and I've always been a Christian, right? So I don't, even when I didn't know anything, and this was back in that day, I didn't know anything. So I wanted to walk in there. And about the time, and there was no cell phones, and we were supposed to be at Shipwreck Island, so nobody knows where we're at. So my dad pulls up right about the time we're about to walk into this fortune teller, and he's like, Dusty, what are you doing? Get out of there. And so I never went in, and uh, and then... And then, you know, we hang out the rest of the trip. I remember having a, a, a pretty good run of things. I was very confident for a 15-year. I talked to a lot of girls at the beach. I don't, I mean, and they were talking to me. I mean, I didn't make anything happen with any of them, but I talked to a lot of them, and I was having a good time out there. And uh, I remember talking to this one girl. She was very pretty, but then I look, I remember looking at her teeth, and it seemed like she had a lot of stuff on her teeth, and she could have just been eaten. Uh, but I just remember I would just go up to girls and just talk to them. I was not a creep either. I was very nice. Um, but all that to say, this lady that my dad met at this hotel, her name is Martha. And my dad has been married to that lady for over 20 years now. It's amazing. They just celebrated an anniversary in December. Over 20 years they've been married. It's amazing. It's my dad's fourth marriage. And it's his longest running one. And it's uh, unbelievable. They have a daughter, uh, my younger half-sister, who is about to turn 21. So I am 18 years older than she is. It's amazing. So that, that uh, Panama City trip, you know, really worked out for my dad. Worked out for me, too. I got a cool Skull t-shirt, and I bonded with my friend Adam. Um, but, yeah, my dad got married out of it. And my little sister, Brooke, was born, uh, you know, because of a trip to Panama City. It's amazing. So I say all that to say that Martha moves in with us, uh, or moves in with my dad. I never really lived there. Moves in with my dad, and she brings a uh, 1984 Ford Bronco 2 and a 1989 full-size, a white full-size Bronco. And so what ends up happening is my dad uh, goes back on his offer to give me the Camry, and he gives the Camry to Martha. And he gives me the 1984 Ford Bronco, too. Now, he took that Ford Bronco, too, and he got a fresh paint job on it. He got rims put on it, bullet hole chrome rims, new kind of low-profile tires, not super low-profile, but sleek. Uh, he has he gets the seats reupholstered. He gets the entire inside reupholstered. The dash is reupholstered. The seats, the roof, I mean, the carpet. He gets a CD player installed. I mean, that thing looks good. He goes all out on this thing. But what he doesn't go all out on is the engine, right? So this. Ford Bronco apparently has a Ford Mustang engine. Apparently, somebody has rigged this up. So, it has a Mustang engine. Now, not a 5.0 
Mustang engine, like a, you know, probably a four-cylinder. And that's fine, I guess, but where the engine, where the engine and the starter meet, I don't know a lot about cars. Don't tell people that I don't know a lot about them. I don't want that getting around. I like people thinking I know a little bit about them, but I don't. But the truth is, who knows anything about cars anymore? These modern-day cars, it's almost impossible to know or do anything on them, which is the way they want it. Not to go off on a tangent about government control and corporate takeover, which is what's happening to our country right now. Right now, what's happening to our country is they are trying... I've been holding this back the whole episode. They're trying to ruin small businesses. I mean, if you can't see it, open your eyes, Take a look around. They're trying. The government and corporations are working hand in hand to shut down all small businesses so that they're forced to sell. So then the corporations come in and buy up all those small businesses. And then we no longer have small businesses. And we all are forced to work for a corporation to make our living. And uh, and that's what's happening right now. Okay? That's what's happening. So take a look at it. And the next time you put your mask on, know that the lockdowns and the shutdowns are all about ruining small businesses. And as I've stated before many times, I'm not saying this virus is not real, but I'm saying the way that it's being handled is wrong and not wrong out of ignorance, wrong out of the complete corporate takeover. And that's what happened with cars too. That's what's happened. Cars have become so advanced now that it's almost impossible to, um, it's almost impossible to work on a car. So you must take it to a dealership, or if you're a small mechanic operation, you have to have enough money to buy these expensive uh, things to hook up the computer things to them. But who wants to go anywhere other than a dealership? I got two Toyotas that I drive right now, and I take them both to the dealership because. You know, why not? You buy a warranty. They, they guilt, they, 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 out of fear, they uh, get you to buy a warranty from them. So then you have to go get your car worked on there. It's all a scam. I mean, they know how to work it. It's all a scam. But what do you do, right? So, but back then, I didn't know anything about cars. So back to this. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry about that tangent. But that was, it needed to come out. I mean, it needs to be. It needs to be seen. I mean, there are actually a lot of details that I would love to go into about what I think is happening, but have a cigar with me, and and, uh, and we'll we'll talk about it. But uh, the uh, when I'm in your town doing comedy, find a spot where we can go and have a cigar at night because I don't like to do cigars in the daytime before a show. But at night, find a place where we can go where it's warm and, um, and we'll have a cigar and I'll, I'll share all of my thoughts with you. Don't record it. I'm like, I'm ready to have speakeasies for just conversations. I don't care about drinking, but I'm ready for us to form speakeasies where we can just go and have conversations and, uh, and not worry about them being broadcast. All right, anyway, so this Ford Bronco 
has a Mustang motor in it, and where the motor meets the starter, it is not connected correctly. And I know it's not corrected correctly because I had someone change the starter. I was like, this starter, I'll, I'll make the noise that it kind of made. But I had someone that my mom was dating change the starter out for me. And he put in a brand new starter and it made the sound worse. And then Martha said, yeah, you can't change that starter. That starter has been grind down in a way to make the sound a little less loud because it's it's not the correct thing in there. So when every time you would crank, now the car had a smooth running sound, you know, the kind of the, wah, 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 wah. you know, it had a nice sound when it was running. But when you crunk it up, it made this noise. It was like, ah! right? So every time you crank the Bronco, it went, and even a higher pitch noise than that. I mean, it was disturbing. So for a kid who's 16 in the going to high school, it's like, ah, uh, when you just feel like you're being judged for everything that's going on in your life at all times, right? It's like, oh, whatever I'm wearing, what I look like, the pimple that's on my face, the uh, everything about my life, everything that I'm doing, I'm being judged. Whether you are or not, you feel like you are. That was the most, uh, it, just, it just hit me in such a way. I was like, I just don't know what to do about it. So I would drive to school. I looked good going to school. And then when I would leave, I would go out to crank it up and it would go... And nobody ever said anything. Nobody was ever like, oh, your truck is raggedy, dude. In fact, me and my friends went around and hung out in that. I used to drive my friends around in that car all the time. We went on many, many adventures in that Ford Bronco too. Many adventures. But this one particular story I, I'd like to tell is there, there was this girl and uh, I won't say her last name, first name, Jessica, right? She used to work at the gas station in front of the high school. Not the actual gas station, but there was a pizza place inside there, right? And I had a little bit of a crush on this girl, right? So, and then I lived, I had now moved out of the trailer park and was living at a house on Lake Condi Road right in front of the high school. A house where I would have many parties and it would become quite the house and uh, uh, quite the adventure uh, in that house. But it was just, I was just a sh like a mile from that gas station. So I would go up to that gas station all the time. I always needed something. I needed a drink. I needed some candy bars. I needed something. Anything to go and talk to this girl, Jessica, who worked at this pizza place in the gas station. I mean... And then I, you know, and then I, you know, I never, uh, that's why I bring up this, um, this, uh, oh, I got to sneeze. Okay, I sneezed, and I don't, I'm fine. It's sinuses. I don't know what it is. But that's why I bring up the, the time in Panama City where I was talking to all these girls, because I had this confidence. I think it was an out-of-town confidence is what you call it. Uh, but in town, I'm like, it was less so. So I would never 
ask Jessica out. I would never go, hey, you want to, you know, go and, and I don't even know what I would ask her to go do. I mean, what do people do? Go to Applebee's? I did take a couple of girls on a date to Applebee's. It never panned out. Um, but I, uh, so I would just go up there and talk to her. And then one time, I don't know exactly how the conversation got turned to this, but she invited me to this party. She said, I'm going to this party. Um, and I think the party was in Beauregard. And she was like, why don't you come? And I said, great. My friend Costa was coming to town. And I thought that'll be great. Costa's cool. Uh, and I want to look cool. So, hey, I'll take Costa to this party with me. And then that's when I'll start to make the move on Jessica. And uh, so I said, that's it. That's what we're going to do. So we, we're hanging out, and Costa's, uh, you know, Costa comes into the house, and he's, you know, he's, he's doing a little JSMCBD out in the yard, and I was not into CBD yet. This was still early on, and I was, you know, I was 16. I was still pretty clean living. I don't even know that I had been drunk at this time, and, uh, and I, I was like, you know, I'm not going to do the J with you, but he did a J by himself, and we got in the car. And I don't know why I tell that detail. I just think that's a fun detail to tell because knowing, you know, where the roads that my life has gone down, uh, what was I, 16 and I'm uh, the age I am now. um, I don't know. Maybe that was, oh, Lord, 22 years ago. Goodness. And uh, I feel great, though. I feel better than ever. Yesterday, I felt, I mean, better than I felt in years. I had a a real power about myself. Uh, and I'll tell you about that. Uh, I would say remind me to tell you about the land, but I'm actually not talking to anyone. There's no one to remind me. I mean, I am talking to you, but if you're listening right now, there's no way that you can remind me in this moment. So me and Costa, we get in the car. We get in, we crank it up. Now, the Bronco was a four-wheel drive. And... So if I got stuck in some mud, I could get myself out of the mud. But in order to engage the four-wheel drive, you know, you had the gear shifter. It was a stick shift. So I can drive a stick shift. I'm not one of these people out here that doesn't know how to work a clutch, okay? There's a population of people that exist now that don't know how to work a clutch, but that is not me. I do not fit into that category. In fact, one time was out when I was in Charleston, I was drinking with this girl. Me and this girl, we were partying a little bit together. We, we, you know, we had, um, well, we had had a good time a couple of times. And one night, she, we were hanging out drinking, and she wanted to go home with me. And my car wasn't there, only her Jeep. And she didn't feel comfortable driving at home because she was pretty drunk. And I was like, well, I'm pretty drunk, but I feel fine driving at home. And it was a stick shift. And had I not been able to drive a stick shift, I would have not, you know, I would not have had as good of a time that night. So learn to drive a stick. So, and, it, and then you had a separate gear shifter for the four-wheel drive, but you also had to get out and go to the two front tires and lock the hubs. It was a little switch that you would flip or a, or a dial that you would turn uh, in order to engage, lock the hubcaps, as they say. You lock the hubcaps, and then now you're in four-wheel drive mode, and you can pull out of the mud. 
So we pull up outside, and it's, you know, the party seems to be going on outside, you know, and that's cool because we pull in, and my truck's like, wah, 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 you know, and I'm looking good. I got a fresh paint job. I got a, you know, I got some speakers in there. I got, I got some stuff going on. So we pull up, and we kind of pull in, you know, it's a little bit of a hill, and we pull, in, pull into a little bit of a mudded area, and we get out. And we're hanging, you know, we're hanging at the party. I talked to Jessica a little bit and, uh, you know, but nothing's really happening. I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to, I'm not drinking because I, you know, I got to drive. And that was back when I didn't believe in drinking and driving. And so I don't know what to do. And it turns out we don't know a lot of people at the party. So we're just kind of hanging out for a bit. And I don't know, I'd say we were there for 30 minutes, maybe an hour. And then we're like, well, let's go ahead and get out of here. Right. Let's be cool. Cause what's cooler uh, than showing up to a party and not really talking to the girl that you went there to see. The only thing cooler than that is leaving earlier so they know that you're not interested in the party. There's nothing that lets a girl know you're interested in her like showing no interest in her, right? That's how the 16-year-old mind works. So needless to say, I never made any headway with Jessica. This never panned out. This never went much further than me going to buy a Mountain Dew at the gas station and saying, hey, what's up? How's it going? Oh, yeah, cool. Me too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it never went much past that. So, I, um, so we go get in the car. And I crank it up, and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, I got to crank it up. And the party's outside. So, everybody's going to hear the... <sighs> Right as I crank it up. Uh, so I crank it up and then I put it in reverse. And if you know about a stick shift, you know, you're releasing the clutch, pushing the gas. Sometimes the car will stall out. Right. And I know how to drive one, but it stalled out. And I was like, oh, dang. So every time the car stalls out, I got to crank it back up, which means <laughs> gets hurt again. Right. So everybody knows that I keep stalling out. So I stalled out like four times. Now, considering that I had to crank the car once before stalling, stalling out four times means I had to crank the car five times, which meant <laughs> happened five times. And knowing that there's a girl at a party, that I, there's a girl in the crowd right out there that I have a crush on, and knowing that I'm so embarrassed by the <laughs> sound... Every time that I have to crank it hurts my ego more and I slump further down in my metaphorical and physical seat. Costa also is humiliated. You know, Costa has also been doing a J, right? So I can only imagine that the humiliation is deeper for him. And... I go, we're stuck, man. We're stuck in this mud. I gotta. I said, I'm putting in four-wheel drive, but you got to get out and lock the hubs. He's like, I'm not doing it. He's like, I'm not getting out and locking the hubs. And so neither one of us will get out of the car to lock the hubs. So I try it a couple more times, and I stall out a couple more times, and I'm like, dude, we're stuck, and I don't know what to do. I'm so embarrassed. We're both so embarrassed. And then in a strange turn of events, I look down at my feet, probably holding my head in shame, 
I look down at my feet to notice that I have locked the emergency brake. And that's why I'm stuck. That's why I keep stalling. So I pop the emergency brake, crank the car one last time, put it in reverse, and I pull right out of there, and we go home. And to be honest, that was probably the end of the crush for Jessica because I was like, there's no way that a girl hearing me go like 10 times wants to date me. Now, in hindsight, uh, most women, in my opinion, are not nearly as shallow as guys are. She probably... If she would have dated me prior to that moment, she probably would have dated me after that moment. But, and that was the end. And then me and Costa went home and, you know, probably just had a good time. We probably forgot all about it. But obviously we didn't forget all about it because I still know the story like 22 years later. Um, but, yeah, I mean... What a wild time. So that's that full story. Uh, but the Bronco, there's many more adventures with the Bronco. And I've, I've probably told several of them. But eventually the Bronco kept breaking down and my dad, oh, I'll tell you this one. I bet I've told this one before too. But you know what? I bet I've told all my stories. It doesn't matter. I'll repeat them. And I'll repeat this one again down the road. I, uh, and then I'll, I'll, I'll make new ones here and there. But I'll, I'll repeat them. I, one time I was driving, my dad used to always tell me, he's like, always, he's like, always telling me to get the oil changed. You got to get that oil changed. Make sure you get that oil changed. And he's right. I'm doing a voice like mocking my dad about getting the oil changed, but he's right. You do got to get the oil changed. I mean, even to this day, I'm getting the oil changed on cars that I drive. So he told me to get the oil change, and I never was getting that oil change. But the car would leak oil, and it'd get a little low on oil. So I always kept a quart of oil in the car, so if it got low, I could pour some more in there, right? That's what I figure. I mean, hey, you leak a little out, pour a little in there. Leak a little out, pour a little in there. Never get an oil change, right? People are like, when's the last time you changed the oil on this car? I'm like, hey, it's changing right now. You know, this car is efficient. So, uh... So I, 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 so I've been driving, you know, my dad lived about 30 minutes from my mom. He lived in, uh, right outside of Lafette, Alabama, a town called Penton or, or, or Pennon, as they say. And, um, so I'm driving up there and I get about halfway. I'm probably about 20 minutes into the drive, maybe 15. The car's hot is what I'm saying. And I get out, my car breaks down and I get out and I'm like, oh no. I was like, my dad's going to come pick me up. Somehow, I don't think I had a cell phone, but I'm like, he going to come pick me up. And I don't want this him to see the oil is low in this car. So I'm about to remedy that. I'm going to go ahead and get ahead of that. Now, this was, I was 16. I had a shaved head. But, you know, shaved, but I had a little fuzz on there. And I don't know this, how this happened. People tell me this shouldn't happen and that this can't happen, okay? They tell me that, but it happened. I'm not making this story up. This is Christmas. You know, I'm going at Christmas because always I would go to my dad's house on Christmas Day. But up until this very year, my dad would always come pick me up because I couldn't drive. So this is the first year that I was going to drive to his house on Christmas Day. So here we are, Christmas Day. I'm cruising along. Car breaks down. I get out. I go, the oil's low. I'm going to put some oil in there. So I pop the hood. 
I open the oil thing. I start pouring the oil in. I don't have facial hair, and I don't have glasses. I needed them, but I didn't have them. I just can't see. And I, I, I spill a little of the oil off to the side on the engine, and it starts smoking. And then all of a sudden, a giant flame just flames up and goes around my head. It encompasses my head and then burns out quickly. And I was like, whoa, that was wild, you know, and I, I keep putting the oil in there and then I make sure it's full and then I get back in the truck and I sit in there, it still won't crank, but I sit in the truck and I look in the mirror and my eyelashes, my eyebrows and my hair are all singed. They're not gone. Like, I, like my eyelashes aren't burned away. My eyebrows aren't burned away. But I don't know if you know what it looks like to singe hair on your body. But, it, like, if you have darker colored hair, it will be like white tips. You're almost like highlighted tips. I'm looking like the lead singer for uh, The Offspring. I'm looking like a, a, a cheap imitation of Guy Fieri. Right? or I don't know if that's how you say his name. I like him, though. But um, I do like him. A lot of people hate on him. But I watched uh, a lot of DDD uh, during the quarantine. And I got to tell you, the guy has a great show. He puts on a great show. So I'm looking like that guy. But a lady apparently drives by at the time of the flame and sees that happen to me. So she stops and checks on me. And then she ends up knowing my dad. So she gives me a ride to his house. And so I show up to my dad's house, all burned up. And my dad was like, what happened? I was like, well, I was just trying to put some oil in there. He goes, he says, right away, you ain't been getting that oil changed, have you? And I was like, oh, dang. Ah, my dad's too good. He's too good. And uh, so I got caught. And, uh, and then and eventually my dad... Uh, ends up selling the Bronco, and then he gives me the full-size Bronco, which was a sweet ride. I mean, a sweet ride of a broken-down mess that I never could keep running, but, man, it was a sweet ride, and I had some good times in that Bronco. I mean, women loved the Bronco, but I've talked about that before. But, yeah, so that's that adventure. Uh, that's a fun story. That's a lot of fun. I, I appreciate you guys tuning in, listening to that. I'll tell you what I did. I, I have bought some land, and you know that already. But yesterday, and I'm going out there again today, but yesterday, I not yesterday, Monday, I went out to the land. I went out there by myself. I went down. They have a little little mountain on it. I went down the mountain into the creek bed. And I have a little cave area. It's like a little pit in between a bunch of, I don't know, probably 15 feet of limestone. And it's like, so it doesn't go over the top, but it's just kind of an indention into the mountain. And then there's a little pit down there. So I just dug up some limestone rocks and made myself a circle. And I just started, I built myself a little fire and just started burning wood and I just hung out there for like two and a half hours, just sat out there in the fire. And I took off my shoes. I grounded. 
I got connected to the earth. And I got to tell you, it felt good. I mean, it felt really good. And I've been eating just fruits and vegetables. Uh, No meats, no breads, no pastas, no candy. Now, I've only been doing this since Saturday. But, I mean, and it's... It's difficult because it's like, well, what do I even eat? I'll tell you what I did. On my way home, I, st- I was so hungry. I was like, I got to eat. I stopped at a food lion in Smithville, and I bought a, I found a cold-pressed organic juice, which a lot of people would pick that up and go, this tastes horrible. But I've been drinking a lot of juice like that. I bought cold-pressed celery juice from Publix. I just drink that every morning. And then I have coffee. I have been doing coffee. Uh, and then I have coffee and, uh, you know, and then I'll eat some fruit and then I'll have a salad. But I, I picked up that. I had, and then I had, uh, and then I bought some uh, blackberries. I found some organic blackberries out there that tasted just like the wild blackberries that I used to eat out of the field. It was amazing. And then a banana. And I just ate that on the way home. And I just, my body feels so good. I feel like I'm really when I'm connecting to nature, when I'm not just pl- sitting in my house, because that's what I do in the wintertime because it's cold. I just sit at home and play on my phone. And But I went out there, and I just, I just felt how good it was out there. It just felt so great, and I'm going to go back today. And, and that's why I'm up early, and that's why I'm trying to do the podcast now so I can go ahead and get out there and spend a little extra time and – I just encourage you to do that right now, no matter what you're dealing with, even if you don't have the ability to build a fire, if you don't have any real nature around you, just get out there. Just get out there in in the outside, in the grass. If you can find any secluded area in the woods, just go out there and sit. Don't look at your phone. I know you got to take it, and there's going to be the temptation to look at it. You got to take it. You don't want to trip and fall in the woods these days and not be able to get rescued because you didn't have your phone. You're like, oh, if I just had my phone, I could have called somebody. Uh, Take your phone, but don't look at it. Cut it off if you have to. And just sit there. And I'm going to say, you know, if you're a Christian, uh, pray, you know, talk to God. You don't have to pray. You don't have to get on your knees and bow down. Uh, Just Talk to God like you're talking to another person. If you're um, any other religion, you know, do the same. If you're not religious at all, I encourage you to just talk to God. Because no matter what your religion is, no matter what you believe, there is a creator. I believe that creator is God. And I believe that Uh, And I believe in Jesus, and I talk to God. I talk to Jesus. Uh, That is a complicated issue, but Jesus and God are one and the same, but also entirely different. Uh, It's complicated. I could get into it, but it's detailed. Nobody wants that mess, and I don't have the perfect answer for it, but I have an understanding. But I I talk to God when when I'm in the woods, and, you know, when I'm in the car and when I'm in the house, I talk to God all the time. Um, but just talking to God and having a spirit of, 
of thankfulness, thanksgiving. No matter what's going on in your life, there is something to be thankful for. And so whenever I pray, in a, in a good way, if you look up the Lord's Prayer, look that up, and that is Jesus praying to God. And he says, when you pray, pray in this way. And I don't think that he means recite this prayer. He means pray in this way. So my understanding of that prayer is that first, you offer praise to God, right? And that's what I do. God, you're great. You're the best. Because he is. Uh, And I say those things. And then I come to him with thankfulness. I thank him for many things. Many things. I mean, there's so many things in my life to be thankful for. And I just let it all out. And I think that as you begin, if you're sitting there right now and you're like, well, I don't have anything to be thankful for. I challenge you to think of three things that you're thankful for and then give thanks to God for those things. And as you say thank you for those things, not only will you begin to appreciate those things and go, wow, I actually do have things to be thankful for. It will give you a, a, a sense of happiness to go, you know what, these, these things are nice. I, I, I am thankful for these things. And then you will begin to think of more things that you're thankful for. I mean, just think of this. There, you know, there are people that live in countries right now, so they say, uh, without clean drinking water so just think about that in context in this country the water that we pee and poop in and then flush down the toilet is cleaner than what most people have to drink not most people but what some people have to drink um my wife's dad has done gone to honduras i think honduras is the country on a mission trip of a sort. I don't think he's particularly religious. I don't think he's not, but he's not particularly religious. And he's, but he's gone down there to help, you know, drill wells for kids. And I think in this country, there is a Coca-Cola company there. And these people have no clean drinking water, but they will give them free Coke to drink. So all their teeth are rotted out and they don't have any water to drink. But we drop the waste from our body in cleaner water than what they have to drink. So just that is uh, an unbelievable amount, uh, unbelievable thing to be thankful for. It's like, how is it that I get to wake up in a climate-controlled home, no matter how cold it is outside, I wake up in a comfortable bed, no matter how uncomfortable your bed is, it's a comfortable bed, bed compared to what someone else has. So you wake up in this comfortable bed, in this climate-controlled house, and you go and you pee in clean water, and then you go and you drink clean water, and then you make yourself some coffee, and then you take a hot shower, and then you get off and you dry off with a clean towel, and then you put on clean, fresh clothes, and then, I don't know, you go to work if you have a job, or if you don't have a job, you get to sit around. And then throughout the day, you eat food. If you get hungry, you don't have to go hunt for it. You go to the grocery store, and you buy it. I mean, it's like, 
we have so many things to be thankful for. So when you start breaking down the things in your life and what you have to be thankful for, um, more things will come to you. And then the next step is you ask for forgiveness, right? And I mean, that is, not, oh, I got to sneeze again. That is a thing that a lot of people are uncomfortable with. A lot of people are uncomfortable with asking for forgiveness because they, they for whatever reason, we, we say, hey, well, you know, why do I have to be forgiven? I mean, I'm a human and uh, the Bible says that I will be sinful. But I think there is something to asking for forgiveness. For one, because, you know, we, we sin before God. But also there is a, a humbleness to it. There is a... There's something about humbling yourself which puts you in a great spot uh, to be thankful for more things. You know, when, you, when, when you're humble and you're just like, especially there's nothing like listing off the amount of things that you're thankful for and that list gets really long to make to really humble you and make you go, wow, I could have it so much worse, but yet I have it so good I am thankful, and I think that our country could is really due for some humbleness and some thanksgiving because we do a lot of complaining right now. I mean, we're always complaining about, oh, I don't get this, and oh, this is not happening for me, and oh, this is holding me back, when in reality, uh, in this country, we have it so much better than so many other countries. I won't say all. Because I don't know. I don't know what other countries are, are all about, right? But I know we have it a lot better than a lot of countries, and we have it a lot better than a lot of people. And there's so much to be thankful for. And then asking for forgiveness from God, well, it's just, um, I don't know. To me, it, it puts me back on center. It it's recenters me. It, it, it gives me a fresh, uh, fresh plane, you know, a fresh place to operate from. And then after that, you know, then you make your request, whatever your requests are, then make them, you know, but, you know, make sure they're godly request. You know, you don't want to be like, oh, I really want to bang that girl that I work with. You know what I mean? Like, that's not, that's not, if you want to date the girl you work with, sure, offer that request. But, you know, and people always say, you know, I mean, I say, you know, the Bible says, you know, something I can't quote it exactly, but, uh, you know, ask of me the desires of your heart and I will give them to you, right? But the desires of your heart must be uh, a non-sinful thing. You can't be like, you know, God, I, I really wish my grandmother would die and leave me that inheritance, right? I mean, you, you need to uh, ask for non-sinful things. And, but I always... This is just personal preference here. I, I always ask for things, but I say, um, you know, if it's in your will, I say that to God. If it's in your will, I, I want it, but I want what's best for me. Meaning that, you know, you may pray to go out with this girl and then that not happen, and then you meet the girl that you're actually supposed to be with or guy, however it works out for you. Like there's a song by Garth Brooks, Sometimes I Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. And that's what that song's all about, is he, he wanted to date this girl, and then it didn't work out, and then now he looks back at her and goes, man, I am glad that didn't work out. 
But also, she's glad it didn't work out in the song. And then, you know, and then I wrap it all up in the name of Jesus, you know. And uh, I also, in after my request, I pray for people. I pray for lots of different people. And, um, and you know, and I... And, and when the Lord's prayer was breaking down, broken down to me in that way, it really made it make a lot more sense because I think reciting the Lord's prayer is fine, but I think personalizing it is what you should do. Give us this day our daily bread. I mean, that's your request. You're saying, Lord, give me the food that I need to eat. And, uh, you know, and if you're not a Christian, I mean, you know, pray however you want to pray, but... Uh, you know, don't pray to like the tree God or whatever. I mean, pray to God. I mean, there is a, there is a creator, regardless of what you believe, there is a creator. And, and, and you will begin to realize that the more you're in nature and the more you separate yourselves from just things that we're taught. I mean, we're taught things that don't make sense. And we believe that they make sense because the people that teach them to us are well-spoken and are well-read, and then we read it in books. And it's like I said at the beginning, just because it's written down doesn't make it so. And someone could say that about the Bible. They could go, well, the Bible is just a book that's written down. And, and, and you're right, it is a, a, a published book. But I believe the Bible is so much more. I've read the entire Bible and then I go back through the Bible and read parts, and it's as if I never read them. Uh, different parts speak to you at different times, and I believe that the Bible is so much more. And King James Bible is what to read. And if you, uh, uh, if you don't have one, go get one. If you need one and you can't afford it, I'll send you one. Unless I get a lot of requests, <laughs> and then I'll I'll go back on that deal pretty quick. But. Uh, I could afford to send uh, one or two out. So uh, if you're hard up, I'll send you one. But um, uh, but wow, this was a great time. I had a great time. I You know what? I don't like preparing for a podcast, but I do like that I got that note about playing music. But I also... Um, I also uh, got a message from my friend, Kenneth... Kenneth Decker, who said, uh, I like when you play music. He said, I actually downloaded a lot of songs that I had not yet heard of because you played them on your podcast. So I appreciate that message, Kenneth. So I will begin to play music some again, but when I do, I will try to plan it out in a way that makes sense. So it is part of a prepared podcast as opposed to me just playing a song, uh, you know, to take up time and whatnot. Uh, I appreciate you guys tuning into this. You guys are the best. I appreciate that. My listeners are growing. Uh, the audience is growing. Uh, I'm excited. 2021 is, uh, my opinion, not going to be much different than 2020, not to be bleak, but just prepare yourselves for, for the same or possibly worse. Uh, and, you know, get prepared. Buy some food. I'm not kidding about that. Don't be afraid to be a bit of a prepper. Get yourself some food just in case something happens. You don't have to go crazy, but get yourself a little something. I recommend that you have enough food and water in your house at all times for at least two weeks. 
that if something were to happen and anything could happen, you know, uh, you know, wherever you live, a hurricane, an earthquake, a tornado, fires, anything could happen that could break down the supply chain and just not have your grocery store be stocked up. You want to have enough for at least two weeks just to kind of let whatever's going to happen happen and have a way to protect your home. You know, I'm not going to tell you to buy any sort of weapon, but I will say have a way to protect your home and yourself. You know, don't don't be foolish. Don't let people tell you. I mean, because, you know, there's there's an effort out there to defund the police while also the effort to uh, remove people's means to defend themselves. And I'm not making any stance on anything, but I'm just saying the police are supposed to protect us. But if they get rid of those, who does it? It's going to be up to you to protect yourself. So um, just, you know, have have means to do so, whatever that means to you. Uh, but, I, you know, I feel good. I feel happy. The sun is shining. Go connect with nature. Go connect with God. I mean, what we're all missing is a connection to God. That is what we're missing. It is... It is like, it blows my mind that it has become something in society where you're a religious freak. And it's like, no, it's natural to have a connection to God. And if you don't have it, that's potentially missing in your life. So connect. I'm, I'm telling you, if you connect and you start praying, you will notice things in your life. Things will start to happen. I'm not even messing. I'm not even playing around. Do it. And stretch. And I also went to the gym, by the way. It feels good. I feel amazing. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you guys. Uh, we're having a good time. <laughs>